Laravel is one of the first frameworks to use PHP 5.3 as a minimum PHP version, which gave us some advantages over things like CodeIgniter. Well, I mainly started using PHP because it was really easy to learn and use, and then it was also really easy to host. And it also had PHP, I think, has pretty good documentation that's easy to search and read. CodeIgniter also had good documentation. Hey Taylor, welcome to Laravel India podcast. How you are excited about this podcast? Oh, I'm very excited to be here. Um, of course, I'll be coming to India soon, uh, live and in person. Um, so this would be a good way to get started. Yeah, exactly. And whenever I have any guest in my podcast, I told them that, hey, we are here because of the Laracon India. But for you, I believe I have to say, we are here because of you, because of Laravel. <laughs> and uh, very very excited to meet you in person and uh, yeah so laravel has changed everyone's life including me including you i believe so yeah. this is going to be really fun i'm going to start with one uh, funny thing which is like i really like your dressing style uh, <laughs> the the t-shirt you the t-shirts yeah. you wear the floral kind of and it looks so cool and yeah. uh, I, I tried to get that in India, but I didn't find anything. Oh, thanks. Okay. So, uh, Taylor, tell me like about the Laracon India, because mm -hmm. it's happening first time in India. It's way bigger than any ever happened Laracon. So, mm -hmm. have you ever thought before of having Laracon in Asia, not just in India? So, because you didn't have any Asia conference for Laravel. Yeah, we haven't um, totally, I mean, I haven't really known anyone that could organize it until Laracon India. And we had actually planned to do Laracon India in 2020. Um, so one of the organizers flew uh, to Laracon US in 2019. Um, we had spoken previously about um, a possible Laracon India event. Um, so he came to Laracon US in 2019 and we, t we spoke about it in person. We decided that we would try to do um, a full Laracon India in 2020. And then, of course, once COVID-19 happened, we had to delay everything um, basically until now, uh, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, Laracon India was supposed to happen in 2020, but we just got delayed because of the pandemic. And now we're finally having it in uh, 2023. Right. That's really good. So have you ever thought that Laracon India is going to be so bigger? We have like <laughs> thousand plus tickets sold. I... I had a feeling it would be pretty popular just because um, India does, we do have the most web traffic to Laravel.com from India. Um, and then also of, um, I think the United States is second or third place. Um, so I knew it would be a, a pretty big uh, conference. Um, so I'm happy that it, that it's, it's turned out to be really the biggest Laracon that that's ever yeah. been done. So really cool. Right. Right. It is going to be. So uh, I am going to teach you one Hindi word, which okay. you can use. <laughs> so it's not that like uh, that useful in general life. But since we are coders, we use this. So in India, whenever there is a bug in your code, and generally we say that, hey, uh, we have the bug. So in India, <laughs> we call it code fatgaya. Fatgaya? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
कोड फट गया सो एवरीवन इफ यू इफ यू सॉ पीपल आर टॉकिंग हे यस्टरडे माय कोड फट गया सो दैट मींस देयर वाज द बिग बग इन दैट कोड बेस सो दिस इज हाउ वी वी टॉक एंड whenever you are here i will going to teach you some other funny things but yeah. not that funny maybe useful things <laughs> um, i thought i thought people like how how to ask for food how to say mm. bye bye so yeah. but I, i don't want to waste time on that because i have long list of questions for you <laughs> okay but, uh, sounds good <laughs> okay so let's get to the serious thing taylor so tell me about the taylor art film before laravel before even coming into the coding world that means mm-hmm. how was your life and how you landed into the coding um when i was a kid so like when i was um about 10 or 11 years old um i was always really into technology stuff you know um gaming computers um the internet which was you know much younger than it is now and um i For, I wanted to build uh, websites for my favorite video games which at the time was uh Pokemon um when I was 11 or 12 years old so I would build uh websites about Pokemon mainly you know just like basic HTML and um I don't even think I used much CSS at the time but uh <laughs> maybe ba- basic CSS and uh HTML with tables and and things like that um so that's how I kind of got a start got started I was just always very interested in technology and the internet and making my own things on the internet from a very young age basically Okay So uh, how the, then uh you get into the professional coding Um after I, I went to university for um information technology so I actually received a, a degree in information technology and right. after university i was hired by a company here in the us that primarily codes in a microsoft.net and then also a cobol which is a an older language from the 1960s um and so i wrote um a lot of .net code and a lot of cobol code and that was my first professional job which i did for about 3 years um i worked for that company before i wrote laravel and then worked for userscape writing php code right but uh, i heard that you were using ruby on rail before creating the laravel um i tried a lot of different frameworks um okay. at the time i was using a very um cheap uh windows laptop and it felt like a lot of the ruby on rails developers were using mac and there wasn't a lot of instructions for how to use ruby on rails on windows um so but i was able to get php running so Um I played with Ruby on Rails a little bit but I mainly started playing with PHP and I I only used PHP one or two times before that so I was pretty new uh to PHP but I started using Codeigniter um I can't remember if I tried Symfony or not but I I mainly tried a uh, Codeigniter and that became like my favorite framework when I first started using PHP Uh-huh Okay so in 2011 you started Laravel and you started yeah. with the with the language php and at that time people were saying like php is dying yeah people are still saying that php is yeah. dying but that's not a case <laughs> so yeah. but but the php is, is today and php back in 2011 is really different it was not yeah. that cool which is that cool and powerful and having amazing features like mm-hmm. right now we have so why you cho- chosen like php to create a new framework how that came into your mind Well, I mainly started using PHP because it was really easy to learn and use and then it was also really easy to host 
And it also had PHP, I think, has pretty good documentation that's easy to search and read. CodeIgniter also had good documentation. Um, and you're right. At the time, people were actually saying, a lot of people were saying PHP is dying. You know, everyone's moving to either Ruby on Rails or Node, which was already out at the time as well. Um, but Laravel was one of the first frameworks to use PHP 5.3 as a minimum PHP version, which gave us some advantages over things like CodeIgniter and other frameworks at the time, because we were able to use namespaces and anonymous functions or closures um, from the very beginning of Laravel. And a lot of other frameworks were not using those features because PHP 5.3 was pretty new at the time. Um, so Laravel was one of the first frameworks that was PHP 5.3 only and felt pretty much, you know, felt kind of like modern PHP. Mm -hmm. So you have created Laravel as a side project or just for solving your problem. I yes. Think. Yeah. I right. meant to, I so, meant to say that. So I never intended um, to actually write like a framework, you know, that I was going to release open source. I was mainly creating something for myself to be able to solve my own problems, but I never really had like some big dream that it would be this big popular framework. That wasn't really my goal at the time. Okay, that's really great. So you have started with PHP Laravel. Now, suppose in 2023, you have to create Laravel and uh, you have to choose one language, which will be that apart from PHP, obviously. Um, apart from PHP, I would probably just choose JavaScript, I'm guessing, um, uh -huh. because it is sort of like the other web language, you know, um, and you write your front end in JavaScript. Um, but that's really like almost the same as 2011. You people were mainly writing stuff in Ruby or in JavaScript or if, if they weren't writing PHP for the web. So I think things are pretty similar. Um, I don't think I would choose Ruby because there's already Ruby on Rails. Um, but I don't think JavaScript really has anything. I mean, it has some things that are kind of close to Ruby on Rails or Laravel, but maybe not as um, mature. Yeah, got it. Okay, so uh, let's get ba again back to your uh, life. And I just want to know when you had created your first dollar. So is it on your job or before that? Uh, in coding, you mean, or just in life? Uh, I, just, just, in, just in life. Uh, yeah, I worked when I was a ki um, 16 or 17, I worked at a grocery store, actually. So that's when I first had my like actual first job when I made my own money. Okay, basically, basically like a supermarket. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, coming back to the Laravel, Laravel, you have uh, created not intended to create any framework, but it got popularity. So once it got popularity, have you ever thought like to create this as a paid one? Because obviously that time you didn't have any paid product. So what was your thought process? Because it was open source, anybody can use it. Now you are getting PRs, you are getting requests for the features. Mm -hmm. So what was your, what was your, in your mind at that time to earn something from Laravel or even this was in your mind or not? Um. It wasn't really in my mind at first how to do that um, because Laravel, it wasn't like a super big framework. So it didn't really occur to me that I could turn it into a business. Um, but the very first time I made any money from Laravel was when I wrote my first ebook, which was um, I think 2012 or 2013. And, um, but that was the first time I made any like real money from Laravel. 
okay so that was good so you did you got first uh, earning from laravel by writing a book over it mm-hmm. uh-huh nice yep so uh, uh, you are not just a developer you're not just a programmer you are now managing conferences you are managing teams you are having amazing saas products so you are super active on twitter so mm-hmm. how you how you manage your time and how you got time to learn new things because you it feels like you are having so great knowledge of front end back end uh, like devops databases everywhere you have expertise so how you get the time to learn and how you manage your time um it's pretty challenging um i keep a pretty strict to-do list about like what i want to do each day so i'm a big user of the app to doist um i use that to pretty much manage every day of my life pretty much um but it is challenging so i just structure my day um at the start of the day i deal with customer support and then i deal with github pull request and then i kind of work with the team on whatever they're working on and review code but um i just try to stay like very uh structured and like have a planned mm-hmm. um outline for the day um at the okay. at the end of one day i'll usually make like my to-do list for the next day pretty much mm-hmm. that's good that's good and how you learn about new things oh gosh i feel like it's harder now um when laravel first started i actually had more free time because there weren't exactly. as many pull requests and um i didn't have any employees or any saas products but now it's pretty hard so sometimes like i'll read at night you know like read blog articles while i'm laying in bed or just like on my laptop i might uh read about something but um it, it's pretty challenging actually just try to sneak in um some reading when i can all right So uh, are you following Pomodoro technique? The Pomodoro technique, yes. Um yeah. I have oh. not I don't follow it uh very strictly, but I'm familiar with the technique. Okay. How do you feel about like is it good? Uh Or yeah, I think that's useful actually. Um you know, anything that helps you structure your day. I mean, some I some of the tips I do are like if I'm having trouble getting motivated or working on something hard, I'll work on something easy for a little bit just to like actually complete a task and then maybe complete a few tasks and then once you build momentum um I feel like it's easier to start working on like a bigger task if that makes sense um uh-huh. so if I need to write like a big page of documentation I'll mm-hmm. I'll fix some small things in the documentation first as like a warm up and then I'll start working on like a bigger page of documentation right right that's that's really good documentation you said like is the key part of laravel and uh, coming back to the structuring your time is really important because if you are not structuring your time you are just losing it and time is the only thing uh, only asset I, th- i believe you have in your life yeah. so uh so once again uh you have amazing saas product lineup which mm-hmm. is uh, around laravel obviously and right now it's uh, laravel has a yearly release cycle but before that we had the six month release cycle and every six months you had amazing product and uh, the, that product was so useful that everyone was eager to get into that how do you get the idea of creating new product plus how you validate that idea that okay this is the idea which is going to be the first priority and this is the one which will be second priority Mm. So 
Um, going back to the beginning with Laravel Forge, uh, which was my first commercial idea, it was really mm-hmm. because I was provisioning a lot of servers um, sort of by hand, but I had written bash scripts to help automate it a little bit. Um, yeah. And then it occurred to me to build like a user interface for creating these servers. Um, and then that's basically how I started building Forge. So I was mainly, again, kind of like when I started Laravel, I was just solving a problem that I had. Um, if someone else found it useful, that's great. Um, but I was perfectly happy just to solve it for myself. Um, and pretty much every other product since then has been me solving my own problem, um, either with Envoy or with zero downtime deployments or with Spark um, to automate like SaaS billing. Um, all of those were solving problems that I had. Um, with Laravel Vapor, um, that's probably the only one where I started working on it just out of personal interest. Um, Laravel Vapor is our serverless deployment tool. So I was really interested in serverless and it was really appealing to me to not have to worry about server maintenance and operating system updates and all of that. And so I started working on this uh, serverless deployment platform Vapor and I just kind of got obsessed with working on it until it was totally done. <laughs> right. So when you have created the forge, obviously at that time you didn't have the uh, like expertise or any uh, prior experience of selling a SaaS product, but now you have. So how do you feel? Uh, like how do you see yourself as a as a, a product owner when you had the forge and now you have a lot more? Um. In, in terms of obviously marketing and like how you sell that product. Yeah, I think um, back then I had, or now I have like much higher standards, I would say for like quality than I had back then. Um, so like the design of all of our products is a lot more professional than it was back in um, mm-hmm. 2014. Um, but I mean, part of that is because I didn't have the resources really to hire like a designer and employees to work on things and and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, we're very focused on now that Laravel is more mature, we also have a lot more customers to keep happy. So we have to make sure that everything keeps running smoothly, that we don't have as many breaking changes as we used to have, um, just because thousands of people around the world are using this product and um, we have to keep it really stable. Right, right. So what's your suggestion to the people who are trying to create a new SaaS product on their own. So how how they get it started, what should they focus on first, like feature, customer, mm. uh, backend, frontend? What's your suggestion for that, uh, that people? Um, so it's changed over the years. So back when I started, uh, back like seven or eight years ago, I always focus on the backend first. Um, but now lately, I'm more focused on the frontend first because... Okay. Um, that's kind of what the customer actually uses. And, um, I like to try to figure that out first to make sure it's actually like, feels like a compelling product and is nice to use. Um, because I had had problems building, I ran into problems, um, building the backend first when things got, products got a little bit more complicated where I would build the whole backend. And it was really, it, sometimes it would become hard. Once I started building the front end, I would discover things needed to work kind of in a different way because when I started trying to put the front end with the back end, it made things maybe awkward in certain spots. So now I almost always would start with the front end, um, but that wasn't always the case. That's sort of something that I've learned out of experience. Mm-hmm. 
and how you decide for the pricing because pricing is the key point for any SaaS product and I have talked to many people and they were saying like look to your competitors and but for you you create products which didn't have any competitor in our uh, ecosystem so mm. what's your thought process while setting up uh, pricing for your product um it's actually very difficult for me because with Laravel there are wildly different types of customers so some of our customers are hobby developers that are sort of on their own solo developers and they may not have a lot of income and then other customers of Laravel Forge are very large companies that make millions of dollars per year and so it's hard to come up with pricing plans that work well for both of those situations but I've always tried to keep Laravel stuff priced pretty low because we have so many solo developers hobby developers people that are just learning how to do development that I always try to price things pretty low but it's probably important to know you know your audience of who's signing up for your app um, if it's mainly businesses then of course you can charge a little more but if it's mainly individuals you have to charge quite a bit less I think to um, get people to sign up okay and you are working on some amazing new product i think it's you, you said that it's going to be open source what tell me about that like well we were we've been working on a lot of different things um so we're releasing this with laravel 10 of course which as you may know is coming up for release yeah. probably next week um we're releasing a new package called laravel pennant p-e-n-n-a NT, which is a word that means like a small flag. Um, that is a that is a package for managing feature flags. Flag. Um, yeah. We're also working on two other packages that will be open source um, that haven't been revealed yet. Um, we have working titles for them. One is called Laravel Pulse, and then the other one is called Laravel Reverb. Um, but I'm hoping to have those done for this summer. But the the thing that's coming out soon is Laravel Pennant and Laravel right. Ten. So uh, I worked at Pfizer and uh, we use feature flag extensively for every feature. And mm -hmm. when you announced this feature flag uh, package, we were like, oh, great. We are now having an official package. Let's let's wait for level 10 and swap that with our existing one. So yeah, that's really, really useful for mm -hmm. every developer. Uh, I was talking about some some project which is having um, started with B letter. Beep. Oh yeah, Beep. Yeah, Laravel Beep. Beep. Yeah. Beep. So, sorry, Beep. Uh, Beep was an application that I that I finished actually. Um, it was a sort of a um, uh, I don't know what's the right word for it. Like a kind of a productivity accountability application where you can check in with your team on a daily basis. And I wrote the whole thing and I finished the whole thing um, back end and front end, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. totally love it um i wasn't like i didn't feel like it was really good and as good as i wanted it to be um but mm -hmm. um the idea was to open source it as sort of a learning um resource for people to see how we write laravel code mm -hmm. um kind of in a whole app but uh -huh. um i don't know i may revisit it at some point um i keep i still jot down ideas i have for it you know as they come to me yeah. i'll put them in my uh, notion document for the project but the, the but yeah to answer your question the app was totally finished it is totally finished it's on my laptop right now but uh, <laughs> i never um, released it because i just wasn't totally in love with it i'm really excited for this project because uh, when i was 
learning how to create the package at that time uh, laravel telescope was released mm. and i was like okay this is the time i can learn from directly from taylor otwell <laughs> so i looked into the code base of that package and i learned that okay this is how he structured things and this is how he code mm. so if you have a, if you have a project which you have created obviously that's really good uh, going to be useful for newcomers for learners and um, yeah that would be like a uh, blast i believe just like we have laravel yeah yeah that'd be cool okay so uh let's get back to laravel and I, i just want to know like is there anything in laravel you are not happy or any idea you have wor- ever worked but you feel like it was not that great so do do you have anything in your in your life um yeah there's been some things over the years uh, most of them i've removed um so back in 2015 we added i think it was 2015 or 2016 we added a command bus to laravel i'm not sure if you remember that um i feel like that was a bad idea <laughs> um that was mainly well, like it was kind of like a fad in php at the time that everyone people were talking about these this command bus yeah. pattern um mm-hmm. i don't really see anyone talk about it that much anymore but at the time it was kind of a popular thing that people were talking about um so that's why i mean even today there's still like a bus facade in laravel yeah. um just mm-hmm. so we don't because we haven't actually like taken it out and broken that feature um and mm-hmm. under the hood some of the q stuff uses it a little bit but yeah that was kind of a bad idea um most of the other things like i wasn't happy with i've either updated or removed or deprecated or whatever just yeah. because it's been 12 years so most mm-hmm. of the bad ideas have been taken out by now <laughs> right it it actually happened with everyone you yeah. some some things you do very amazing some are not that amazing but if you find something is not that good you you should have the courage to say that this is not that good i'm going to remove <laughs> it and uh, you have done that and this is why i i just want to know like what do you think what you do differently for for laravel and the ecosystem everything which is which is why laravel is so famous so what you do differently than other people's around the like other frameworks other language frameworks Um I think Laravel has always been focused on the developer and making them as productive and um basically happy as possible. Um so it's very much fine-tuned for a single developer to be able to productively build an entire full-stack web application. And I think a lot of frameworks are actually um they don't focus on that as hard on like the developer experience aspect of web development and i think ruby on rails was really like the pioneer for you know creating this very developer focused enjoyable framework and so laravel sort of learned from that and built on top of that in php mhm so this means like you created something not just uh, like a framework to create uh, websites or create mm-hmm. application but you more focused on developer happiness and mm-hmm. how they code and this is what i believe so true that because when i landed into laravel i saw that okay this is like a plain uh, plain english like a user all <laughs> user yeah. find first something like that so that was so easy to understand and even it just stuck in your mind 
first time you read it and stuck in your mind that you don't have to write that amazing queries which you have to remember create the logic and then uh, finally get the solution laravel makes things so easy and uh, i like the name of one package which is laravel breeze i believe laravel itself is a breeze for for everything you do so uh, connected to this uh, laravel eloquent is i believe is the most amazing feature of laravel and uh, i heard that you had you had the difficulties on uh, while while creating the eloquent thing for laravel so is what like the idea you had in your mind when you had created laravel or it just uh, evolve like how how best eloquent is is this evolved or you had the idea that i'm going to make it that amazing um it has definitely evolved um so in the beta releases of laravel um not many people know this but we actually used a different orm um, we used a package okay. called PHP Active Record, um, which uh-huh. is no longer maintained. And even back then, it was actually no not maintained um, very, very much even then. Um, so once I saw that it wasn't maintained, I decided to write our own ORM. Um, and that was Eloquent, which was inspired by a couple of old PHP packages called Paris, um, I think was the name of the ORM. And it worked kind of similar to how Eloquent works today. But the first version of Eloquent was more basic. It didn't have things like eager loading. Um, It didn't have like polymorphic relationships and some of the more advanced features that it has today. It was just more basic, you know, creating, updating, and basic relationships. But um, it's definitely evolved over the years. And I've rewritten Eloquent several times, actually, throughout Uh um, the history of Laravel from scratch, pretty much. Oh, (laughs) that's great. So, uh you have that knowledge of databases, MySQL, and every other uh, databases knowledge, or you were started learning about each and every database and then added into Eloquent? Um, the main database I had experience with was MySQL and SQLite. Um, uh-huh. I had never really used Postgres and I had never really used SQL Server, but I don't think in the first release of Laravel that we even supported Microsoft SQL Server. I think that came later. Um, so I think at first it supported mm-hmm. Postgres, MySQL, and SQLite. Okay, okay. So that was that was initially. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, now you also have the NoSQL databases. Mm. Yeah, I've that's, that's yeah right. I've never I've never used um like MongoDB I've never actually used that in any of my own applications um so I don't I never had a lot of experience with that and I think a lot of people ask me you know we really want a MongoDB Laravel package but the issue was I just did not I had never used that in any of my applications so I didn't really know the best way to build that kind of package but it was yeah. very it was very popular mm-hmm. request, yeah. um, especially especially um, when Laravel first started, because MongoDB was a little bit more popular uh, back then than it is now. But yes. yeah, it was uh, quite popular. Right, right. So for me, Laravel is amazing, obviously because of um, some great features and the community and support. But one important reason is the documentation and not just for laravel obviously the uh, ecosystem of laravel every product you create so how do you get to know that the documentation is super important thing and how do you able to write that clean documentation i just want to know because i feel like writing documentation 
for me is is a boring task i believe that hey let's just do and code something <laughs> instead yeah. of writing documentation um i was very inspired by the codeigniter documentation i thought the codeigniter documentation was really well done when i first started loading codeigniter i was actually very impressed by their documentation it's probably Right. still like some of the best framework documentation in PHP. Um so, so I was very inspired by that and I started writing my own documentation to be just as good as Codeigniter's and um I just spent I spent a lot of time really like refining the documentation, reading it, proofreading it, adjusting it until I feel like it's just perfect. Um I don't know. I've read a few books about writing. I've done a lot of I've had a lot of practice writing documentation by this point, so I've gotten um better at it over the years, but I actually don't mind writing documentation. I kind of like it, so I think that's maybe why it works out well for um, Laravel. So, with this, I just want to ask one question which I was planning to ask at the end, which is like which book you prefer for developers? since you have said that like uh, you read some books for writing so can you recommend three books for developers um i think that the sandy sandy metz writes good books on programming um what is that book called there's a let me find it um yeah sure yeah so there's a book called um refactoring it's written one of the authors is Martin Fowler um the copy i read was actually the ruby edition i'm not i don't think there's a php edition but the refactoring book is kind of interesting um sandy metz like i said writes good books on coding um and then the other i mean this isn't really a coding book but the other book that was really influential for me in terms of software development was uh the book getting real by 37 signals which you know created basecamp um i read that book back while i was creating laravel and it really helped shape what my focus was on laravel and focus on getting the product right for the end user and for the developer um and that i feel like that was a really influential book um during laravel's creation okay and which book you helped you to write the doc- documentation um There's a really small book called Elements of Style um by William and Strunk I think is the author it's two authors um it's not even it's barely like a book it's more like a booklet it's like 60 pages maybe um but it's about writing really clear english um mm-hmm. and it's pretty helpful actually for writing documentation because one of the problems i see with most people's documentation is their sentences are too complicated and they're too long and um this book really focuses on writing kind of short concise um sentences that that are really clear um some people actually like their writing it almost comes across like too too smart you know too intelligent and too complex and so it can be hard to follow and kind of unclear um so yeah elements of style is the name of the book i actually have it um here in my office okay taylor so uh i just want to know what is your daily routine in terms of obviously your work and how do you balance your personal plus professional life um well like i said earlier i'm a big user of todoist um a big organizer um as far as like what i need to get done on any given day and i started doing that actually all the way back in university 
Um, at the time I used index cards um, to organize like a list of everything I wanted to get done that day. Uh, but then I switched to Todoist, uh, but I use it pretty much the same way where I make a list of all my tasks for that day. And at the end of the day, I make a task for the next, I make a list for the next day. Um, so what it looks like practically for me is that I usually start work about 8 a.m. Um, after I take my kids to school and then I answer customer support emails and look at GitHub pull requests and Laravel usually gets something like 15 to 20 pull requests a day. Um, so we have, we pretty, I pretty much have to do it every single day or we're going to get really behind really quickly. <laughs> um, because if I didn't check it for even one week, there would be over a hundred pull requests probably. Exactly. Um, so I do pull requests and that takes me a couple of hours a day, probably mm -hmm. actually. Um, yeah. And then I usually work on, um, I usually have something to review from, you know, one of the staff here at Laravel, either like a pull request to Laravel Forge or Vapor or something like that, or a question mm -hmm. or um, so I'll do that. And then that's pretty much like the first half of the day. And then after lunch, I'll work on whatever I'm personally working on, you know, it could be like just an interesting project I'm tinkering with or a new feature for Laravel or a new package idea or something like that. So that's kind of the routine for the day. Then I stop working around five and I don't do a lot of work um, after that, um, mainly because, you know, since Laravel is my full time job, I don't really actually need to work like late at night like I used to back when I had a regular job and I, Laravel was just like an open source project. So right. um, usually at 5 p.m., I'm pretty much done working for the day. Wow, that's really great. Super, super productive like routine you have. <laughs> great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, Dylan, I believe you are using Sublime Text. Uh, till now. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty much so, what I've used since the very beginning. Very beginning. Why not like VS Code or PHP Storm or Vim maybe? Uh, I do like uh, VS Code actually. Um, I don't have any big uh, issue with VS Code. I like PHP Storm too, but I think I just use Sublime Text for so many years that it's very hard for me to switch um, because I'm just so used to Sublime Text. Right. And uh, I, it's just, of course, you know, anyone that's used Sublime Text knows it's like very fast. Um, yeah. um, so I'm just used to like the very high speed of Sublime Text. Um, mm. I know a little bit of Vim, but I'm not a Vim expert um, yeah. at all. But I can, you know, I can edit the file and save the file and do like basic things I need to do. But I'm not really like a Vim ninja, uh, so <laughs> to speak. Yeah, so with the Vim, uh, the first thing people are struggling with is like, how do we get out of this editor? <laughs> yeah. 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 And my, yes. I used Vim in college uh, or at university quite a bit um, because all of my professors, they taught us the basics of how to use Vim because mm -hmm. we used it in pretty much all of our classes. Yeah, and you're right. Like it, it's really hard to switch between the editor. I was using VS Code, I think from the start when it was released. And uh, recently I tried to move to PHP Storm, but after using one month, I was like, let's, let's get back to VS Code because it's so, so handy and I have all my shortcuts yeah. for that. So I feel productive on my favorite VS Code, uh, favorite editor, which is VS Code, not on any other one. So I can understand like why you are sticking with Sublime Text. So yeah, uh, yeah. Ne next one is like, which, which future technology you are excited about or uh, are you excited about the chat GPT also? 
Uh, yeah, I am excited about chat GPT, actually. Um, I'm actually much more excited about AI than I was mm. about um, Web3 or cryptocurrency uh-huh. or anything like that. Um, I find AI actually quite a bit more interesting, um, especially chat GPT, which to me feels like um, a new kind of calculator. You know, like it's like a, a new tool to instead of math, like it, it really seems to speed up writing uh, research you know, asking it questions and getting answers without a million Google ads on search or something like that. Um, it's just a very, I think it's, I think it actually is like a very convenient tool that will be useful, um, genuinely for many years to come. Um, and I'm sure we'll only get better and better. So are you going to ask chat GPT for writing any documentation? (laughs) I mean, I probably can't, I probably could, honestly. Um, it's actually really impressive. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by ChatGPT. But I I believe ChatGPT will say that, hey Taylor, you are writing documentation better than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe for now, but maybe not for long. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I just want to know, like, what is the vision of Laravel for next five year? Um, gosh, it's so hard to predict. You know, five years in the future. Um, I think. You know, we're obviously going to continue focused on making it as easy as possible to build full stack web applications. That's sort of Mm -hmm. the focus of Laravel. Um, I'm very interested in the upcoming Livewire 3 release that Caleb Porzio is working on. Um, We have some ideas for new things to build around Livewire 3 that I think will be interesting. Um, But, you know, I really actually only think about a year in advance. I don't really plan three, four, five years in advance just because everything has been very hard to predict, you know, what what the trend will be um, at that time. So uh, we have plans for this year, um, but then we'll see uh, what next year brings. <laughs> right. So I, I know that Laravel is so great. If, if it has like passed a decade, it can pass more decades in the future it's really mm-hmm. amazing tool you have built something which is which has not obviously not changed your life it has changed life of all the developer who are using uh, laravel and uh, if i say if i talk about me i i can literally say that because of you because of laravel my life is flipped so i yeah. <laughs> what i was and what i am now is 100% because of <laughs> Laravel, because of you, Taylor. So once again, thank you from bottom of my heart. So thank you very much for that. So oh, with, this, uh, with this, with uh, this, I just want to end this podcast by saying that you are a really amazing person, not just as, as a professional, but as a person. And uh, it was like dream to have you in my podcast and I, I still can't believe that I am finishing this podcast. <laughs> so once again, thank you for that also.